0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Thursday night, and Lord, we're thankful that in a world of doubt and fear, in a world of coarse rhetoric, we can be anchored to the Creator of the universe, and we can know that your love and your Word will never change. Lord, we ask that you would help us not to look toward Uh, any solution that man can offer, but to lift our hearts in prayer. And Lord, we ask for your strength to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There. Stephen, bring you one. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. now. Just for those that are visiting here tonight, what we've done is we've gone the whole way through the book of Philippians, verse by verse, uh, and to get the big picture. And now we are going back and picking up specific passages to spend a great deal of time with them. And uh, we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be Thus minded. And that's where I get the title for tonight's message. The perfect mind. Verse 15. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And in if anything, you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, where we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, Be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have us, for an ensample. Now, the last part of that chapter there, he goes on, verses 18 through 21, um, actually to deal with a very negative uh, part of, uh, we might say, Christianity, or people who call themselves Christians, not everyone who names the name of Christ, walks as a Christian. And uh, that's one of the hardest lessons. I think it was even Gandhi who said, I would be a Christian if it were not for Christians. And uh, then, uh, to complicate things even further, we have uh, 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 people like Jim Baker, if you remember him. He was the one that oversold timeshares and defrauded people to the tune of scores of millions of dollars and when it found out he had an affair and he was siphoning off company funds to pay for things and i mean it was just a terrible terrible mess they came up with a bumper sticker that said not perfect forgiven and uh yes god forgives sins how many of you have ever said well i'm not perfect could can, can I challenge you, the word perfect is not an excuse to serve God less. In fact, we have a, uh, I hate to term mindset, uh, because if, if you really want your mind to be headed in the right direction, fill it full of scripture, amen? It will help you. And Paul talks about this perfect mind here. He says, but as many, he says, let us, therefore, I'm sorry, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Now, Paul, if you read the the words there, he said, us, that's including the Philippians, Therefore, because of everything he's taught, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Do you know that Paul expected, as he wrote this letter to the Philippian church, that there were perfect Christians, perfect believers in the Philippian church. Now, how many of you believe that? I see a few hands going up, because the Bible says so. Paul said, as many as be perfect, therefore he is expecting. Uh, he has every right to believe, and Paul is writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, what we have to do is we have to redefine the Word. The reason we need to redefine it is because the world gives us the wrong definition. Um, What I like to ask the question, what is normal? How many of you know my definition of normal? Normal is the acceptable level of failure. Isn't that true? I mean, that's how you can get a baseball bat in your hand and strike out seven out of 10 at-bats and be considered an excellent ball player. That would give you about a 333 batting average. Not too many people have that or better in the in the major leagues. Uh, don't try to do that with paperwork at the office tomorrow. Amen? Uh, that'd probably get you fired now, wouldn't it? Uh, if you uh, failed at fulfilling your responsibility seven out of ten times, your boss would probably can you, wouldn't he? So what does that mean? We should all become major league ball players? No. We use this idea of perfect as an excuse. God never intended it to be. And so I've put quite a large definition here, and that's why your outline went on the back of the page here. Thoroughly made, formed, done, performed, carried out, accomplished. That's the first definition of the word perfect. I have a perfect grandson. He was born two weeks ago. He's got ten, no, actually, he's got eight fingers, two thumbs, and ten toes because that's what you're supposed to have. Amen? There, there's nothing missing. Now, I may think he is an uh, extremely uh, good-looking little baby, and wow, what an uh, incredible little kid. We got to hold him a little bit last week and enjoy some time with him. He won't remember me, but I remember him. But the word perfect simply means completely formed. How many of you finished a course of education? You went through high school and you got your high school diploma. Guess what? You are a perfect high school student because you finished the course. It's not that you were straight A's and never missed one question. You thoroughly completed the requirements that were set before you. That's what the word perfect means. Now, it also, let's look through here and get a few other definitions here, of a legal act duly completed. Of a full age is is, uh, the next definition. Either grown up, adult, or of an age, legally competent for a specified function. Definition two. Fully accomplished. Thoroughly versed. Trained. Skilled. Or conversant. Conversant. That means that. You have been trained. You fulfill the requirements of your job. How many perfect employees do we have out here? Now, your boss might disagree with that statement, but that's because they're using the wrong definition of the word perfect. If you know what you're doing and you're trained and you're legally competent to do that, then you're perfect. I have a license that allows me to erect scaffolding in New York City over 40 feet in the air. Now, if you think you're going to get me above 40 feet to put it up, you got another thing coming. But I'm licensed. I, I'm not going up there. Uh, and Not unless I absolutely have to, but listen. Definition number three, in a state proper to anything when completed... Complete, having all the essential elements, qualities, or characteristics, not deficient. Now, definition four, if you go way down through the category, this is where we get hung up. In a state of complete excellence, free from any flaw or imperfection of quality, faultless, but often used of a near approach to such a state, and hence capable of comparison, Do you get what they're talking about? You see, that's where most of us, we get definition number four. Well, there's a flaw. Uh, I remember when we put the ceiling up in, in the auditorium here. And please don't look up at the ceiling. There are imperfections. And uh, we were up there working and, and just trying to put things together. And uh, as we were doing it, there was uh, a little problem with one of the areas in the ceiling. I said, someone's going to come in and the first thing they're going to say is, Pastor, that that spot's not quite right up there. Sure enough, somebody did. I knew it was going to happen. And I didn't even point to where the problem is. But uh, that's where we get hung up. You see, there is no such thing as sinless perfection that is an imaginary heresy it's belonged to many different groups it's amazing if you study the history of these groups they used to be called holiness groups Uh, this would include the Nazarene the Methodist, uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance, several of these uh denominations uh, had smaller groups within them, and, and their emphasis was on personal holiness. And, and you would go into some of the Pentecostal churches, and you even still see the sign today, Pentecostal Church Holiness, or something like that. And if your dress was out of line, if you, had any, uh, if you had a gold ring on, like I have a wedding band, they would demand that you remove any ornamentation before you walk in their auditorium. And, and they were so strict. But you know something? In the 70s and 80s, these were the first groups to adopt rock and roll music. To completely change their dress standards and, and allow the world to set their dress standards. And today, most of these holiness churches are some of the most unholy places. You will find people claiming to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's the problem? Wrong definition of perfection. And when they found out that they couldn't attain it, I remember my mother growing up in... Uh, Christian Missionary Alliance Church and the preacher was preaching on sinless perfection and several of the members of the church were uh, very humbled to announce to the congregation that they had achieved such sinless perfection uh, in this lifetime and, and uh, my mom said as a teenager she said I would, listen, I would see these people st- talking about how sinlessly perfect they were and she said but I knew what they were doing during the week And they weren't sinlessly perfect. And yet, what that did was that embittered her to a point where she even wasn't attending church faithfully for a while. And praise God, she got that straightened out by the time we came along. But the simple truth of the matter is, this is not talking about sinless perfection. This is talking about a mature Christian. This is talking about someone who is no longer a baby christian, and Paul has just given us by the time we get to verse fifteen he has given us a measure last week we talked about the uh the measure of love and uh in uh in uh, first, in Philippians 1, verses 5 through 10. If you want to check out how your love ought to be, go there and, and measure yourself according to last week's lesson. And tonight is the measure. Paul set up his own mind, his own personal testimony. He put it on display and said, if you want to be perfect, this is how you're going to behave. Now, under ordinary circumstance, that would be somewhat arrogant, wouldn't it? But you have to remember, this was the Apostle Paul writing under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. And what the Holy Spirit was doing was giving testimony that Paul had reached a level that you and I can reach today. It wasn't something extraordinary, I'll I'll tell you, my uh, blood pressure goes up when I hear someone say, well, you're a preacher. You You shouldn't act like that. Oh, wait a minute. You're a Christian. You shouldn't act like that either. Hello? There's not two standards. We do not believe in a division of clergy and laity. We believe in a division between carnal and spiritual, or worldly and godly. You see, Paul says, if you're perfect, that's spiritual, godly, following the Lord... This is how your mind is going to work. Now, look here, and I put a couple other references in your outline here. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Now, if Paul was commanding the Corinthians to be perfect, how many remember all the problems that were going on in the Corinthian church? I mean, they had some terrible things going on in the Corinthian church. They had factions. I, I'm a, I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm a Peter. And, of course, the pious gas bags, I follow only Jesus. They were lying about that, too. Paul was saying, none of you are following the people that you claim to be following, because if you were, there wouldn't be any disagreement in what's going on in the church. The fact that there's disagreement, Paul says, judges you as you're not following those people there. And, and so... Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28 says, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This is the goal of the Christian life. You see, Epaphras... Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Wouldn't you like to be able to, when you stand before God one day, hear Him say, you were perfect in the will of God. It simply means you followed God's will for your life. You did what you were supposed to do. It's not extraordinary, except in our day and time. Or maybe in Paul's day and time. How about any time anybody's tried to serve Christ, the, t- the moment you separate yourself from the world and from Imitation Christianity. To try to do what the Bible says. They're going to att- what do you think you are perfect? Well, by the way, actually I do. But it's God's definition, not your definition. I want to be complete in the will of God. Are are we together on this? Because you have a whole lifetime of conditioning perfect without flaw without any mistakes well yeah that is one of the uses but that's way down definition number four you are a perfect human being if you have fingers thumbs eyes ears toes if your legs work you say but they hurt it doesn't matter if they hurt if they work they're there Think of those who don't have them. Amen? You see, we live our whole life longing for something that could never possibly be so that we pad our conscience and have an excuse not to do what we ought to do. And that's what Paul is saying right here. He's saying it's time... For you to stop being a carnal Christian, it's time for you to stop playing Christianity and get serious about this thing. Because God wants you to be a perfect Christian. Amen? And then he goes on and he doubles down on this thing. And in verse 15, in the second half of the verse, the first half says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And then he goes, And if in anything ye be otherwise minded. Now, how many people want to live in the category of otherwise minded? Well, I know what the Bible says, and I, I know, preacher, you're telling but but you need, to, you need to live in the real world. Oh, so we have a bubble around the church and a bubble around union that separates us from the real world? No, it doesn't work there. You see, we all live in the same world, do we not? But we have to choose how we're going to live in that world. Am I going to be a part of it and surrender to it? Am I going to be more afraid of offending the world or people in it than I am of offending God who made the place? Paul says, And if in anything ye be otherwise minded... Now, people want to accuse us of being, what is the number one accusation of a Bible believing Christian? What kind of cult is that? Uh, uh, you, you, you're just, you're getting crazy. I mean, you're going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, uh, visitation. I had a guy ask me one time, he says, What's your recovery program? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, visitation, discipleship. I said, if you'll let it, this church will control your life. But see, we want to go into the rehab center where it's perfect and all those nice people take care of us and keep us from doing what we would normally do. And that's why when they get out of the rehab center, they go right back doing what they were doing before they went in. Check the facts. The recidivism rate is extremely high. But God changes lives, doesn't He? Can we say amen to that? God changes you from the inside out. And it says, And if in anything you be otherwise minded... God shall reveal even this unto you. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, if you got something in your mind that you think that you know something different than what I'm teaching, if you'll only seek God, He's going to confirm what I'm teaching. He's not going to confirm what's in your mind. I mean, today, if you want to, I don't care what you believe. There's a group of people that worship Elvis Presley. They used to call it Presleyitarianism. I don't know if they still do, but they would meet on Internet chat room and play Elvis records. And, and uh, that was, they said, that is our worship. Uh, there was a fella years ago, I don't know who the original, uh, maybe I should just use the word creep, Uh uh, but many have imitated uh, him over the years, and he said, listen, I want to reach the world where they are, so we'll just have church in a bar. Now, I grew up in a home where the Bible was taught, so I've never been in a bar except one time to make a phone call because it was the only pay phone in 20 miles of where we were. But those of you that used to go to those places, did you ever in your wildest imagination said, you know, I'm going to go in the bar and get drunk, but before I do, I'm going to think about Jesus first. I mean, if that makes sense to you, please see me afterwards for counseling. You're in more trouble than you know. That kind of convoluted thinking is exactly what Paul is preaching about against. He said, if you be otherwise minded, you need to understand there is one standard of truth. Look at the next verse here. He says, nevertheless, where to we have already attained. And I, I get so weary of people claiming that. The church has evolved, and the church has moved, and the church has... No, the church hasn't. Imitation churches have. Churches that call themselves Christians have put together their own doctrinal statements and and have... But those that believe the Bible... There's really nothing different that we're doing today than the Philippians did in their day. Oh, we might be singing different hymns because Fanny Crosby didn't live until the 1800s. We certainly had pianos and, and instruments that weren't invented in those days. They sang hymns, they prayed, and they studied the Scripture. And when they left the church, they told other people about Jesus and tried to bring people to Jesus. And when missionaries came through, they supported missionaries. The Philippians, how many times did Paul say in this letter, you gave once and again. You see, Paul says, the church is already formed. The standard is already set. There's nothing new that we need to do. And then he goes on and he says, let us walk by the same rule. I'm sorry. Yes, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. We, we live in a world where words mean nothing anymore. Well, I want to challenge you. God still, the Bible says, He's exalted His Word above all His name. There is no mistake that one of the titles of Jesus Christ is the living Word, the Word of God. We do not worship the leather and the paper and the ink, but... Friend, you would be totally clueless how to approach God if you didn't have the words of this book called the Bible. You would not know what God wants. You would not know that He's a God of love. You would not know, you could not know, that God is always good even in the midst of adverse circumstances. We have to help ourselves understand that. We have to believe by faith that God is good. And even in times of suffering and pain, that He is still working on our behalf with His best interest in mind, because that is the only interest that's important, is God's. Can we say amen to that? And so, Paul says, listen, when we walk, We're going to walk according to the same rule. You know, they called them Christians at Antioch. Why? Because they behaved after a set pattern. By the way, let's go back to the definitions of perfect here and go to the last definition, five. It says completely corresponding to a definition, pattern, or description. Wow. Wow. of a geometrical figure, a point of space or time and the like, exact, precise. You see, those people in Antioch were corresponding to a definition, to a point that the unsafe people living in the city said, how are we going to define those weirdos? What are we going to call them? We're going to call them Christians because they act like Jesus did. How many of you are old enough to remember the Moonies? Anybody remember the Moonies? Do you remember where that came from? It was a group of people who defined themselves by the teachings of Reverend Sung Young Moon. And you talk about a nutcase. You talk about and his claim. Well, Jesus appeared to me three times and begged me to straighten out the mistakes that he had made during his earthly ministry. And people say that the Apostle Paul is arrogant or a preacher quoting the Apostle Paul is arrogant because he says, if you want to have a perfect mind, you need to set it up like the Apostle Paul. You tell me who's loony Kazuni. I'm voting for Sung Young Moon, amen? Uh, We need to understand something here, that there is a set rule, that there is something that we can follow. And Paul goes on in verse 17 saying, Brethren, be followers together of me. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on just that first phrase there. Be followers together of me. You know what I find out? If I follow Jesus Christ, if our church follows Jesus Christ after the pattern that is in this book, in a definable and distinctive, the Bible word is perfect way, you know what happens? We identify with a whole group of churches that are doing exactly the same thing. In fact, I'm really comfortable on the campus of Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City. And we took our kids to the youth conference there last week. Over 1,300 teens from 33 states, I believe. And nobody was arguing about doctrine. Nobody was saying, oh, we got to minimize the... Uh, I was reading in a commentary. Well, there always are disagreements, but we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, let me ask you, who defines what the main thing is? If the Word of God defines the main thing, then it's salvation, baptism, fellowship in a local church, honoring God's Word above all. our own own thoughts and our own desires, allowing this to be the rule that orders it. That sounds pretty controlling, doesn't it? Well, it's only because it is. Because if we're going to be Christ's church, truly, then we ought to behave like it. You see, Paul said, Be ye followers together. You cannot follow Christ by yourself. Oh, I just worship God in nature because He's the God of nature. So is the devil. It's called pantheism where they worship nature. And in Egypt, they worship the sun and the moon and the flies and the rats and the snakes and the dogs. You see... Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, so as ye have. What's that next word there? What is that next word? Us. You know what Paul was saying? I am not alone. I am not A light shining in the dark. I am not the only person. You see, that's the devil's lie. Is, well, I'm the only one that has discovered this great truth. Well, then you know you're dealing with a liar inspired by the devil. You just know it. Paul said, mark them that walk so. That's why we try to have some of the preachers like we're having. I'm so glad we can have Brother Clayton and Brother Marshall coming in for our 25th anniversary. Let's see. Dad's, what, 83? And Brother Clayton's 82? And they were here 25 years ago when we held our first service. You need to pray that God gives them the health and the strength to be here. To celebrate that time. You know what? We put a mark on them. Because they're walking in the right path. And you see people like Brother Clayton and Brother Thompson and John Marshall have rubbed shoulders with people that lived over a hundred years ago. You stop and you start making the connections back. And you can cover a vast quantity of time. Just following some preachers. And you know what? Is any preacher perfect? Not according to the world's definition. But those that follow the Bible, those that simply do things God's way, are. And we can read of men who lived 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, walked with Jesus Christ and we can do the same things they were doing that's what the Bible teaches amen now we got six minutes and we haven't even defined the perfect mind as Paul did but let's go back chapter uh, verse 13 and here is Paul defining for us the perfect mind Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. You know what Paul is saying? He just got done saying, be ye followers together of me. But he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I have not reached spiritual perfection. I am not the measure of your Christianity. Jesus is. You see, we do not honor any man, any group of men above that of man other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? And so, Paul says, I count not myself to apprehend. I put here it's a simple mathematical problem. It's just simple math. Me plus the Word of God does not equal Jesus. And so, he says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I am not looking to me. My Christianity is not about me. This is what makes The Purpose Driven Life, written by Rick Warren, one of the most evil books that's ever been put in print is because he takes Christianity and turns it inside out. The church becomes a service bureau to meet your needs. And God has programmed your needs into you, and you should have your needs realized. Let me tell you something, that's not Bible, that's Buddhism. The Bible says it's not about you. It's not about me. Paul said, I have not apprehended. I am not there. I am not the measure. Jesus is. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so I am taking everything that is behind. How many people are locked in mental institutions just sitting there staring at the wall or actually in a straitjacket so they don't hurt themselves because they're reliving some horrible series of events in their past? Paul said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. How many of you have ever met somebody who already made their major life accomplishment and they're not doing any more? I'm retired. I'm done. I've finished. I've already already put my time in. It's time for you younger guys to have a break. You know, I've often thought about embracing that philosophy over at Union Baptist Church and letting some of these younger guys get in the hole and dig up the things and all that. But no, listen, we haven't attained. And God, as long as He gives you life, has something He wants you to do. And if you're not pressing forward, if you're not reaching forward, you're not serving Christ. But see, here's the problem. Sometimes reaching for that mark is just being faithful in church attendance Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, because other people are watching you, and when you take a break, they use you for an excuse for them to take a break. Hello? How about your daily Bible reading schedule? Oh, pastor, that thing is really tough. If in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. That's basic. That's not extraordinary. You ought to be reading more Bible than just getting through your Bible once a year, your New Testament twice. There, There ought to be more Bible in our lives than that. I'll tell you what, if you read the newspapers, there's more news in your life than that. If you have a favorite television show, do you spend as much time reading your Bible as you do watching your favorite TV show on reruns over and over? I hope nobody does that. Let's keep moving on. You see, there's a prize. There's a mark. Now, the idea of this prize of a mark is a definable target. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, the church is a body, is it not? The local church is a complete body in Christ. Christ is its head. Each one of us has our part. You know what? Some of our parts aren't as glamorous as other parts. Some of us don't have... uh, and I'll be honest with you I'm glad I'm the preacher I I like my job but it wouldn't be very much fun to be a preacher if nobody showed up if no one ever listened if we couldn't send out people like brother Mike and brother Franz you know that's that's the good part amen You see, the prize, the mark, is fulfilling what Christ has for me to do. My part as preacher is no more important in Christ's eyes than your part as a member. There are people that will not be reached if you do not talk to them. There are people... That will spend an eternity without Christ if individuals don't do their job. You give to missions and we support our missionaries. What if you stop giving? I praise God, in 25 years we've never missed a payment. We've missed a few, but we always caught up. Uh, not because we didn't have it, because the check writing program didn't work but this is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus it's being the servant of Jesus Christ nothing extraordinary unusual you can be perfect if you will all you have to do is grow up into Christ Ephesians chapter 4 is serve him and we live in a discouraging world do we not? every time you turn on the news some more terrible thing is happening well here's the solution press toward the mark for the high for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus be faithful where God has placed you that's all there is to it you see that's the perfect mind when I'm not worried about what suffering is going to happen to me because I have to listen to the preacher three times a week. Or whatever else you might want to put in there. Don't ever be one of those people, oh, I've given up so much to serve Christ. What a lie. Serving Christ is the greatest thing that possibly happened to your life. You see, the standard's been set. The rules that are there. You're not being a mind-numbed robot. I remember we had a person years ago said, Well, you know, I, I just think that, that somebody ought to be the devil's advocate. And I said, You know something? I said, The devil's got plenty of advocates. We don't need one in our church. We really don't. Because we're supposed to be serving Christ. That's the mind that will keep you from getting caught up in this world. That's the mind that will give us the strength and the unity. Where, let me warn you, we're, we're getting this close to getting into the building over at Union. The devil doesn't like that. So, what do we got to do? Uh, be thus minded. Be that perfect Christian, and it will protect you from the snares and the struggles that the devil would love to tie you up with. You see, we just need to follow the mind of the Apostle Paul. He said, I haven't apprehended. I'm not there. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about reaching out for what Jesus would have me to do today. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, we thank you that the Apostle Paul was so straightforward in his teaching to the Philippian church. And, Lord, that we would be straightforward in our obedience to God's Word in the words that Paul penned under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That we would allow the Scripture to teach us instead of us trying to find some excuse why we don't need to be obedient to the Scripture. Lord, work in our hearts that we may bring glory to your name. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play. If you need to slip out, the altar's open. If you're here tonight and you're not sure about your salvation, you'd like someone to show you the Bible, all we ask you to do is come forward and we'll have someone take you and show you what the Bible says.